Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jenna O'Neill Smith, and this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. Welcome to episode 127. Welcome back, everybody. We have an episode for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. A Just whole as one. Promise. <laughs> Two in a row. Yes. I mean, don't expect this the whole month because it's the definitely not going to happen. Are coming. Yeah. yeah. This was a really great week, listener wise, listener yeah. interaction wise. We got a lot of great emails and messages. Um, some in particular that I especially, it, it made my whole day. I have, so Sally screenshotted me a picture of the emails because for some reason I haven't been getting them on my phone. So I was in Ikea. I don't know if you've ever been to Ikea, <laughs> <laughs> but not for me. No. People, I just, people, there's too many people. Yeah. Too many things happening, too many carts going left and right. And um, I was really in the middle of a moment where I was like, I hate people. Like, have I you ever hate been people? Like, have you ever been in an IKEA that's empty? It's so nice. No, that never happens here. Like, never happens in Atlanta. But like, it, it is. There is one in outside of Cincinnati, and if you went at the right time, you know what is so. There. That is amazing. And you know what is so funny? And I just remembered this as we're talking about this, and they're completely unrelated things. But a, um, another listener sent me, uh, sent us, not me, us, Sally, you and I, <laughs> a story about a couple that spent the night in an IKEA. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I saw um, that was like a snowstorm or something. And so they yeah. let everybody sleep there. Yeah, Zoe Zoe Faith sent it to us. Thank you, Zoe. Um, and I totally forgot I was going to do that as a quickie, but I will do that soon. So I guess IKEA can be fun sometimes. Yeah. Um, but this particular day it uh, was not. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was just like having one of those days where I was just like, oh my god, I'm just like, why are people so rude? Why are people so crazy? Why are people so greedy? And then like. Right as I was thinking that, you sent me a screenshot of an email from um, Dina Honor, who is the person that we did our love story about last week. So lovely. It's such – it is – you guys, I think we've said this before, but we always try to reach out to people who we do love stories about because they're Mm -hmm. real people and it's usually, you know, just to say like, hey, we're telling this your story. I hope it's okay. I hope you enjoy it. You know, you're on our podcast. We're talking about you on our podcast. Um, And occasionally, like, we will get really nice emails back. Only once have we not gotten a nice email back. Right. But yeah, but she just out of the blue sent this like amazing email just saying how nice it was to hear her story. She's like, I guess when you hear it out loud, it does sound romantic. I'm like, yeah. It's so romantic. (laughs) It was the nicest letter. You know, it's so great knowing that stories reach that far um, because they're in an they're in another country now. Yeah. They don't even live in the US. Right. And um they We're worldwide. Yeah, we are <laughs> international, baby. And um so 
I um, And then also she sent us an update, which I really loved. So Richard actually bought her a copy of the Ophelia print that she had been talking about that night when they were talking, you know, about Shakespeare. Yeah. And so um, she said that it's hanging in their dining room right now. So isn't that just so sweet? And she said, I'm just going to read a, a one line from her email, but she yeah. said um, – she said, it's just one more little bow of fate. In a st- like she was talking about how great it is to have heard um, her, her story on the podcast. But she yeah. said, it's just one more little bow of fate in a story that was tied up in fate and intuition. And Hamlet, of course. Oh, and fun tidbit for my 40th birthday, Richard bought me a copy of the Ophelia print I'd been talking about that night. It's hanging in our dining room. A guy, a girl, and some pumpkin pie, right? You can't make it up. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's the best. Thank you, Dina, so much. Yes. And ha- happy holidays to you and your family. Yeah. Um, and then we got another um, really great email from – again, Sally screenshotted it to me because I'm oblivious to everything <laughs> and Sally's on top of everything. Uh, but from uh, uh, someone named Brianna Lamb who actually, I guess – had seen me perform at the Laughing Skull. Uh, right. And, and you crushed it. I guess I did. I made <laughs> an impression. Like, <laughs> I got to listen to this girl's podcast. So she listened to the podcast and then she sent us like a really great email, you know, letting us know that she saw the show, listened to the podcast, loves the podcast. But then she sent me a really great story um, about someone she knows. And I started researching the story and you guys, it's pretty amazing. And so yeah. I'm going to tell this story soon. I just have to do all of my research and writing. And and then we also have like some insider tips from Brianna Lamb. So thank you so much for reaching out and uh, thank you for you and your girlfriend for coming to the show and, and um, enjoying it. It, yeah. it just makes me feel good to know that um, people are listening when I'm talking on stage. Right? Sometimes you forget. <laughs> we're just building our audience one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's just been a really great week um, hearing from everybody and um, keep keep talking to us. We love it. Yeah, it makes it makes our day. We love it. We love it so much. Yeah. Um, okay. Hey, let's get into quickies. Let's do it. I guess I'm going first this week, hey? I think you are, ma'am. Okay. My quickie this week is from an article for foodsided.com written by Christine Strubble. I like it already. Foodsided? Yeah. I like anything with food. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I perked right up. Food. <laughs> uh, what a know, great quickie. I was just talking about the other day. I I love food. I, you know me. I love food. I love yeah. cooking. I love uh, restaurants. I love I love people talking about food. I love people talking about how they love food mm-hmm. or things that they've made. But now that I don't have – I'm by myself like half of the week now. When I'm at home, I just – cooking for one is not the same. I just don't. So I, I've heard that. People say that. Yeah. So I yeah. just don't cook. Um, like if I'm not feeding someone, I'm not eating. And so lately I've like – I've, I've never understood when people say, oh, I just forget to eat. I forget uh, food. And I'm like, how could you ever yeah. forget food? It's the best part of every day. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm totally becoming that person. Like I am – I'm like, oh, I, I didn't eat dinner. Or or if I'll just eat this piece of toast as I'm running out the door. Or yeah. I'll just like have this uh, – like, a, you know, I'll take this apple and eat it in the car. And so, um, yeah, I'm – so I guess it's uh, it's crazy because I love food so much, but also like 
good for weight loss? <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to get so skinny. <laughs> also, I'm not hating that part of it. <laughs> so what I'm saying is get a divorce and you will lose <laughs> weight. Fine, Real Jen. Quick. I'll do it. <laughs> just kidding, Ben. I'm just going to I'm going to write, you know, like the uh, HBO Max documentary about the woman that lost weight by praying to God and then she wrote a book about uh-huh. how like, it's like you need Jesus to lose weight. I'm going to write a book about like uh, getting a divorce and uh, getting skinny. You know that that would Is sell. that a book? That's a – no, you should write that okay. book. Like the divorce diet, do it. <laughs> Trademark Jen. Cut it all out of your life. Everything. Watch the pounds melt off. Anyway, so um, – this is that was all totally unrelated to this quickie, but Sally, yeah. let me ask you. Yes, how like how often are you? Would you say you're on a screen, like your phone, your computer, <sighs> your television? Uh, too much, way too much, all the time. Would you and Ben? Because this is a couples challenge. Would okay. you guys be willing to go without internet or screens for thirty nights? Yeah, I, I mean, you have. You guys have hyped so, the Appalachian together. So. Yeah, but that was before smartphones. Like, we didn't know That's what we true. were missing. <laughs> we didn't. We said dial up at that time. Nobody needed. <laughs> I mean, not really. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we couldn't do it as a general thing because of we work from home. But right. otherwise, yeah, I think you that would. would actually be really kind of amazing to see what we got done and or how early we went to sleep. <laughs> so Kahlua, the drink company, Kahlua, uh-huh. has decided to um, create this challenge. They're calling it the Stirred Up Challenge. So Kahlua did a little bit of research. And according to the Pew Research Center, they they said that 40% of people are bothered by the amount of time their partner spends on their screen. Um, And they said that given that the average person spends almost nine years of their life on a mobile device, it made Kahlua beg the question whether or not all the social media is really worth it. You know what I mean? They were just now wondering. Yeah. (laughs) For uh, all intents and purposes mm -hmm. of this article, yes, they were just (laughs) now wondering. Uh, I wonder if this stuff is not good for us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So they've decided to do what's called the stirred up challenge. And what they're going to do is offer for one couple. So they're asking couples to write in and tell them why they should be considered for this challenge and oh. and give their story. And then when they choose one couple, they'll be given the chance to win $25,000 for powering down all of their electronics for 30 whole nights from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., no electronics. So really, it's not even for 30 – it's just for the nighttime. It's just from 6 o'clock at night to 6 o'clock in the morning, from January 16th of this year to February 15th. The the point is for couples to, like, spend – the night hours together talking and connecting, doing things together, things that have nothing to do with screens or television. Honestly, I feel like this is a really easy challenge. Yeah. Well. Doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I bet, I bet we don't realize how much we are actually looking at our phones or in, and no TV. Uh, yeah. No TV, no screens, <laughs> no nothing from um, 6 o'clock yeah, at night until the know. morning. I I mean, I think it would be hard. Not that I'm a fan of intermittent fasting, but isn't it just like intermittent fasting, but for 
screens. Yeah, right? And then you just get all, like, in the morning, you just eat a huge meal. (laughs) I guess. So their whole point is, obviously, this is a publicity stunt. Right. You know, they even, like, in the article, it says, maybe um, instead of being on your screens, you can shake up the perfect espresso martini cocktail (laughs) together. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to get Uh, drunk if you don't have anything to distract you. (laughs) our Kahlua. Um, so the challenge is meant, is going to end the day after Valentine's Day. And um, so, of course, that'll be another, you know, opportunity for for publicity to talk about the couple and how they did together after 30 yeah. days and how, you know, Kahlua saved their marriage. You know yeah. what else works, Kahlua? Just some Kahlua. Therapy. <laughs> or therapy. <laughs> You really didn't have to give a couple $25,000. I mean, I would take $25,000. Liquor and <laughs> therapy. But yeah. um, no, I just thought this was an interesting article. I mean, honestly, you guys, we can all just do this digital challenge together. Yeah, let's all do it except for podcasts. You can still listen to podcasts. Yeah. Well, from <laughs> 6, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., you can listen to podcasts and then just put your phone down at night. Yeah, it's really okay. easy. You're sleeping most of the time anyway. This challenge just seems right. Don't really we all go to ridiculous. sleep at eight p.m.? It's like two hours. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is for me. It is <laughs> same. I know. So it's a two-hour challenge. Like go yeah. for a run, and you know, talk I don't know, do spouse. some sidewalk chalk <laughs> together. Yeah, or talk to your spouse. If you have one. Play a game. Read a book. Do what you want. Read a book. <laughs> Go out for a beer. Uh, <laughs> Come home. Sleep by eight. Yeah. I'm done. Kahlua. Uh, well, that's great. Good luck, Kahlua. Okay. So my quickie comes from WCPO News and Today.com by Scott Stump. Uh, great okay. name, Scott Stump. Great name, Scott Stump. Um, okay, so three years ago, Ebony Johnson, who works at the Dunkin' Drive-Thru in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is where I used to live, she met a customer named Suzanne Burke. And the two became close because Suzanne went through every morning um, and they would chat and Ebony is just this like ray of sunshine. And so they got to be friends over the last three years. So recently, though, Suzanne noticed that Ebony was not working her usual shift. So she... Um, she actually called Ebony and was like, hey, what's going on? Do you need help? And she learned that Ebony had actually been evicted from her home, she and her three kids. And this was at the beginning of the pandemic. And, and Ebony said, I just wanted to give up. I cried. I, I come to work every day and nobody knows what I'm going through because I always try to have a smile for our customers. She had been evicted and she was ended up family members' apartments, like just trying to like get by, but she couldn't get a new apartment. So Suzanne left Ebony a note saying like, hey, I would like to help you. Would you like that help? And Ebony was like, yes, I I would, I need help with this. And Suzanne, you know, she does, she's not rich. She just has done social service work before. So she was like, let's start reaching out to different businesses and organization. And Suzanne said, I just wanted to see if I could help her improve her life and the life of her kids. With Suzanne's help, 
Ebony was able to get an apartment through uh, the Cincinnati-based organization called Strategies to End Homelessness. And although it took nine months to find an apartment, Suzanne finally got word last month that an apartment was available. Oh, wow. And she told Ebony, she was told Ebony and she was like, do you have furniture? And Ebony was like, no, because we've had to go from living with different family members. We had to give up all of our furniture. So Suzanne reached out to this um, real estate staging company called Design to Market, which is actually owned by a friend of hers. And the company donated the majority of the furniture and also got the help of New Life Furniture Bank and they fully furnished the home. That's amazing. Yeah. So Evie and her kids got to see their furnished apartment for the first time on December 3rd. Aww. And she said, oh my God, it was so amazing. I just busted out crying. I never had a full furnished house. I never had help like this. I've been asking God to put us in a home before Christmas and he really did. I'm just so thankful. And Suzanne said it was so exciting. We all cried. Um, She said, I've got three kids. I can't imagine not having a home to go to and then to have to get up, get the kids to school and show up at work with a positive, happy attitude. I've been in awe of her. So really is amazing. I know. And so now she, Ebony has this fully furnished home. She said she and her kids um, just want to enjoy Christmas together. She said last year they didn't wake up to anything. She said it was depressed and stressed. This year is going to be good because we're in our home. I get to cook in my own kitchen for my kids. Oh, isn't that so nice? I love people again. I know. So I just love that they're like these two moms who just, you know, like <sighs> took care this of each bond other. and took care of each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yes, this is what we need to do. Yes. So anyway, I'm just so, and I love that it happened in Cincinnati, which I love. And um, I just hope Ebony and her kids have an amazing Christmas and Suzanne and her kids too. Me too. That's a great quickie. Thanks. Man. Our podcast is quite the roller coaster of emotions because <laughs> now I'm about to bring it on down to crazy town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I'll bring it back up again. <laughs> yeah. It's the ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. It's the yin and the yang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that story though. Hey, Sal. Hey, Jen. Are you ready? For a crazy story? Yeah, I was getting a little too. I was a little too feel good. I was, you know, yeah, starting I'm to slap think the world it right off your face. <laughs> I need no. a dose of reality <laughs> <laughs> to take that smile and slap it right off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so um, my um, story this week came from an article for abcnews.com written by Lisa Fletcher and Bill Cunningham, and an article for All Beta Beat, which is a radio show um, that has a blog, so I got it off that blog, and then also an episode of my favorite, Who the Bleep Did I Marry? Yes! Yeah. (laughs) Tammy McCreary, who's actually from Atlanta, Georgia, this place is – this is a hometown – this takes place here in Atlanta, Georgia, this story. Um, so she had been divorced twice. She was not looking for love because she had been burned in the past, she said, mm-hmm. by her past relationships. And she had three kids. And so she was just, you know, really just focused on being a good mom to her children. And she was just convinced that, like, she didn't need a man in her life. Uh, she just wanted to focus on being a good mom and taking care of herself. So – in November of 2007, when she went out to a club with some friends, I wish I knew what club it was, but they don't say. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you think you've been there? You probably have. Probably. You um, moved here during your clubbing days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she went out with some friends. And again, like I said, she wasn't looking for love. But then all of a sudden, a tall, dark, and handsome stranger walked by her table. They made eye contact and he kept walking. But then a little while later, he ended up coming back over to the table and then just started throwing money on the table in front of her. What? Now – I know. So her friends were all very impressed by that, but I would have been like, you dropped something. Yeah, I'd be like, like what? Fuck out of here with your money. <laughs> I know. that To me, that's so – ugh. I don't know. I just, yeah, like to so me that's gross. like, I have my own money, thanks. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But apparently yeah. <clears throat> this worked on her and her friends. He sat down and introduced himself to Tammy, um, and he told her that his name was Eric Petit and that he had just moved to Atlanta from Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he told her that he was an engineer at working for a local utility company. I'm going to guess Georgia Power. I could be totally wrong, but that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> he told her that he was looking for a place to buy here in Atlanta, and she was actually a mortgage broker. So that was perfect. So she gave him her card, and then um, two days later he called her. But it was not about – the, it wasn't about the mortgage, Sally. What? It wasn't. He wanted to ask her out. So they ended up having lunch um, together like every day after that. It was one of those things where they would have lunch together every day and then they'd talk on, on the phone all day and night. Um, they were just right off the bat just connected. And he was just, like a total gentleman. He bought her flowers all the time. He would open doors for her, like really took care of her. He was wooing her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then um, when they grew closer, he started to open up to her and that's and he told her you know that he had been married and divorced as well and that he had two young sons and a stepdaughter and then so when tammy asked him about his sons like where are your sons now he became like very upset and emotional and he told tammy that both his his sons along with his parents had both been killed in a horrible car accident Mm. now okay let me just say Sally and I have a rule on the podcast where we don't talk about anything horrible happening to children. It's just a rule that we have. And we don't really like to talk about suicides. Um, It's just a a personal thing. And so I will tell you – so the disclaimer is you guys all know what this show is. Who the bleep did I marry? You already know this guy's full of shit. (laughs) Like I don't have – there's not going to be a surprise where you're like, what? This guy is full of shit. He's full of shit. So everything that I'm telling you, don't get upset. It'll all be revealed in the end. I'm not giving anything away. We all already know. Yeah. I right? Mean, he he came at her with throwing money. So Yeah. We already know this guy is full of shit. Yeah. So I'm just telling you what he told her, but we all We all know, know there that were that no is, no kids were hurt in this story. No kids were hurt in this story. Okay. So but Tammy, because she was a mother of three, you know, that definitely struck a chord with her and she she couldn't believe that anyone could go through such an unimaginable tragedy. I mean, what a horrific tragedy had that been true. Yeah. You know, like that's horrific. So they cried together and like while they were crying, he showed her copies of his son's death certificates for some <gasps> reason, which is also very strange. Yeah. Like and then he ended up telling Tammy that he used to be an ER doctor, but that after his son's uh, passed away. He was too upset to ever practice medicine again. And mm-hmm. then he showed he sh- also showed her transcripts from the University of Chicago, um, showing her where he went to medical school. Again, 
so weird. Like if you're talking to someone and telling them you went to college, like I, I've never been like, here's my diploma. Look at it. Yeah. You know I what have, I mean? wouldn't even know where to find it. Exactly. <laughs> also, I don't want to see you to see the three times I failed one class. Right. <laughs> but Tammy was just completely devastated for him. She thought it was the saddest thing ever. Not only that he lost his whole family, but just that like he is a doctor and he, he was so upset that he couldn't practice medicine. It just really broke her heart. And then coincidentally, three weeks later, when Tammy and Eric were driving down the interstate, they don't say which one, but I'm going to say. 75, 75, 85. They were driving down the interstate and then they came upon a three-car pileup accident. And so Sounds like a a typical Tuesday. Sounds like (laughs) a Tuesday on 75, 85. Mm -hmm. And so Tammy looked to Eric, you know, it was like, you're a doctor, go help these people. And so Eric jumped out of the car and ran over to the cars and started helping the accident victims. And Tammy said that she was so impressed by the way that he just like jumped into action and knew exactly what to do and was helping these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was very impressed with him overall. And then when, so when just one month, one month into their relationship, he proposed to her and she said, yes. Yeah. And then in that December of 2007, Eric took Tammy out to shop for rings because when he proposed to her, he didn't have a ring at the time. So he took her to go shopping and um, they picked out this one ring that they both loved. But when they asked the salesperson how much it was, he told them that the ring was $30,000. So much. That's too much money. To too spend much on a money ring. for a ring. No. And so um, Tammy was like, no, no, that's too much. That's okay. Like, we don't need this ring. But Eric was like, no, this is the ring that I'm going to get you. And he told this the salesperson, you know, just give me a day or two and I will be back to buy this ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but then later that night, Eric um, received a phone call and he went upstairs to take the call. And then Tammy and her sons were downstairs. And then all of a sudden they heard Eric just start screaming and wailing and they went up there to see what was wrong with him and he said that he had just gotten the most horrific news and he told Tammy that his stepdaughter you know he had two sons and a stepdaughter that his his stepdaughter who was a teenager at the time had committed suicide he told her motherfucker "Mm -hmm." and then he told her that his ex-wife didn't have any money to to pay for her funeral. Uh-huh. And and he said that the cost of the funeral was going to be $30,000. $30, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not even a creative liar. No. And so so Tammy was like, "No, no, don't please don't worry about buying that ring. Like I don't need a ring. Just take care of your stepdaughter and take care of the funeral." So they forgot about the ring so that he could pay for the funeral. Um, and she actually invited him to move in so that it could help him save money, you know. Um, and her kids were not crazy about the fact that he was living there. They were like, you know, who's this dude that you've known for like two months now and now he's living in our house? But Tammy trusted him, but also just to be safe, she decided that she would do a background check on him. Yeah. Um, she apparently had a friend that did background checks for a living, so she gave him Eric's information. But when the background check came back, everything looked clear. But the one thing that was strange was that there was no information at all regarding his son's car accident or their death or his parents' death. But Tammy was like, 
you know, but when he told me about the story, he was, I've never seen a man that upset before in my life, you know, yeah. like he was wailing and she was like, there's no way that this man was lying when he told me this story and she loved him and she just wanted to support him. And so they went ahead with planning the wedding. Eric actually insisted on taking care of the invitations. This is like the third story we've done where the man insisted on taking care of the invitations and it was for like for no good reasons. Yeah. Meaning like not that there's not a good reason, meaning like he was up to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the next I, time your partner wants to do the invitations, be like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Let me see them. <laughs> Let me watch you mail them out. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, you fucking liar. Let me see it. <laughs> That's the way to start out a marriage. I mean, I think oh, that w- our yeah. research has shown that 100% of the time <laughs> – if if your wedding has invitations, it's more than likely a bullshit fucking wedding. Let's start there. Um, so so Eric took care of the invitations, and then um, one day Tammy got a phone call from one of her friends, and they were like, "What? You're marrying a doctor? That's crazy! You didn't tell us that you were marrying a doctor." And she was like, "What? I am?" Because Eric had put on the invitations. Dr. Eric Petit to marry Tammy McCreary. And when she asked Eric about the invitations, why it said doctor, he um, he was like, oh, that was supposed to be a wedding present for you. I, I wanted um, to surprise you that I'm going back into medicine. Like surprise. Surprise. What a weird – again, yeah. like his, his displays of affection are – very odd. Yeah. Throwing money at somebody, putting on the – like that's a su- surprise. I'm a doctor. I don't know. It's weird. So he told Tammy that he was actually offered a job in the ER at Piedmont Hospital and that the job would start right after the wedding. So Tammy was ecstatic. She told uh, who the bleep did I marry. She said, I couldn't believe I was going to be a doctor's wife. It was like my prayers had been answered. Okay, um, Tammy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe pray for something else. <laughs> exactly. So and then just four months after they had met, they ended up getting married in a small ceremony in her living room. After they got married, Tammy then became a stay-at-home doctor's wife. All of her dreams were coming true. And so um, she would drop Eric off at the hospital in the mornings and then pick him up at night. And sometimes he would call her all upset about like these horrible deaths that he had seen or like uh, a, a child that he couldn't save. And and again, we all know that's bullshit. Yeah. And it's so- like only – it's like his only way he knows how to get a reaction from someone is being like, it's- I saw someone die. I know. It's so strange. And so – Eric's hours were crazy at the hospital. So sometimes um, he'd get calls in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m. and then have to leave to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And he was spending less and less time at home. So Tammy started to worry because she, in her mind, she was like, oh, he's this like young, handsome doctor. And there's all these like nurses there and stuff like he she she was more worried that like oh someone's gonna snatch him up and he's gonna leave me for someone and so she started to become like really suspicious about him and started like looking into him and what he was doing and and she started looking into his phone and then one day she looked on his phone and she found a bunch of text messages from this one woman that seemed very flirty and the text messages didn't seem at all work-related so she decided to call the number and um, the woman that answered was like, oh, hey, like thinking it was the 
was Eric. Tammy said, this is Eric's wife. Who is this? And then the woman said, if you want to know who I am, I would ask your husband. So she was waiting for Eric to come home. But when he came home from work, he was livid and Uh completely flew off the handle. And he started yelling at her, telling her like, oh, my God, you almost lost me my job. Do you know that was my boss that you were talking to? Like you, Mm -hmm. like, And he made her feel bad. She said on the show she felt like she was just being a stupid teenager and that she almost got him fired, Yeah, um, which is very gaslightery. Yeah, I'm like, that's like classic – you challenge and they come back at you like, it's your fault. Why did yeah. you do that? You did something wrong. I can't believe you. What are you? Yeah. And so uh, poor Tammy. So Tammy felt stupid. She felt bad. She felt like she had put his job at uh, in jeopardy and she decided to, to back off him and, yeah. you know, let him do his thing. She, she thought that she had just imagined everything. But then one day on May 18th, 2008, Eric left to go to work for a night shift. But then the next day came and went and he never came home. And she started to get worried and she called both of his cell phones. I guess he had a work phone and a home phone. And he wasn't answering either phone. So she decided to call the hospital to ask about him. But when she called looking for him, they were like, ma'am, there is no Dr. Pratit that works at this hospital. Mm-hmm. And she thought for sure that this was a mistake. She was like, there's a million doctors. There's no way that this guy knows every single doctor here. So she called the cell- his cell phone again, but this time a woman answered the phone. So she asked, can I please speak to Dr. Petit? And the woman on the phone said, oh, are you talking about the guy that uses this cell phone? And she said, well, you need to call security because this man was arrested last night for impersonating a doctor. What? Yeah. <gasps> Uh huh. And so it turns out that a nurse had become suspicious when she kept seeing this man dressed in scrubs hanging out around the ER and like nobody knew who he was. And so she ended up calling the police because she was like, who is this guy? Nobody knows him. And so the police came out to speak to him. And when they talked to him, they saw that he was dressed head to toe like a doctor. He even had a doctor's badge. But when they looked closer at the doctor's badge, they saw that he had cut out and taped a picture of himself. Oh, no. On <laughs> top of an – so this was an actual doctor's badge that he had stolen – and then he like cut out a picture of himself and taped it on top of it. And that was his doctor's badge. It's like the equivalent of like three kids in a trench coat trying to look like an adult. Right. <laughs> and they're like have their finger over their nose like, this is a real mustache. A mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a doctor, see? And so oh, I mean, hit know. your knee with a hammer. <laughs> That'd be my stethoscope made out of this empty toilet paper holder. Dunk, <laughs> uh, dunk. And so um, <laughs> he had um, <laughs> just smoking my candy cigarettes real quick. <laughs> Took his smoke break. <laughs> So he and he also had like a prescription pad and some pre- prescription drugs on him, but with this fake badge, this terribly done fake badge with a fucking picture taped on top of it, he was able to roam the halls and get into highly restricted areas for weeks. How Jesus. fucking scary is that? Both of my babies were born at Piedmont Hospital. <laughs> Obviously, he had been impersonating a doctor for weeks, but not. 
for money or to sell prescription drugs or anything. His reasoning that he was doing it was solely to hit on women. That was it. It was just to meet women. They said that he would just like walk around and flirt with all of the ladies and nurses in the hospital. That was his end game was just to pick up chicks. And so when Tammy heard that he was arrested, she immediately started looking into him to get some answers. So she looked in through all of his things and she found this black duffel bag in the closet. And in the duffel bag, she found a probation notice from Chicago courts. Tammy then called the probation officer that was on the notice. And that's when um, the probation officer told her that Eric was actually on probation for check fraud and that there was a warrant out for his arrest. And then um, she asked the probation officer more questions about his life. And when she asked them about his sons, that's when the officer told her that, yeah, he does have two sons, but they're very much alive and well. Yeah. Oh, what a scumbag. I that know. is like somehow worse than if you made the kids up, right? Yeah, Ooh. it is. It's like – and we've done multiple stories where on this podcast about men lying about the deaths of their actual children. And it's just the sickest, most twisted, fucked up thing to me. Like, how could you even let your mind go to a place like that? Yes. I couldn't even, it's unimaginable to me that anything could, would happen to my children. You know what I mean? And so let alone make the story up and use it to, for your advantage. That's just the sickest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. I I agree. Ugh. Just, uh, ugh. Sally. So, Jen, you're the one telling me this story. I know. <laughs> and so um, then Tammy looked at the death certificates that he had showed her, and then she called the funeral home that was listed on the death certificate, and they confirmed that the certificates were fake and that they never even heard of anybody by those names. Um, and also his parents were alive and well. Mm-hmm. And so, again, what a piece of shit to, to say these things about your parents it's, and your children. Yeah. Like, what kind of a person? And the reason, remember when she had done that background check? Yeah. The reason that he had passed the initial background check, even though he faked everything, he faked all these stories, he faked all these documents, he used his real name the whole time. But the background check failed or passed, I guess. Because she used the driver's license information, like his driver's license number and his address on the drive on his driver's license, and that driver's license was fake. So I guess this was back in 2008, so maybe technology wasn't as good where they would be like, nope, nothing came up, like no, yeah. no red oh, flag. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So you yeah. pass, but like I do background checks daily. Um, in my job on every single one of you. I've done one on you, Sally. <laughs> Ooh, what came up? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't. It's like it's a like hundred bucks. I mean, I'm not going like, to pay to do background checks on people. Anyway, for apartment stuff. And yeah. so, um, but it there's no way that a fake license would ever pass. Right. Um, like it's just way too sophisticated now. But anyway, so but that's why he was able to kind of pass that background check, I guess. But on December 15, 2009, Eric Petit pled guilty to identity fraud and theft and then was sentenced to 42 months in jail. So not a long time. 
No. But, but I, I guess, guess it wasn't like anything violent and it yeah. was, you know what I mean? He wasn't like doing surgery on people. Yes. He didn't do that. But on, um, and when he was interviewed on the local news, they interviewed him. He actually like apologized to Tammy on air and, um, which, I mean, it doesn't make it forgivable, but at least he said he was sorry. <laughs> uh, so, um, but so Tammy moved on, filed for divorce, and she's this is back when the show aired, which was a long time ago in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, so back then, she told Who the Bleep Did I Marry that she's happy with her life, she's independent, she has a good job, she focuses on her kids, but when it comes to dating and love, she's like, No, thank you, never again. Really, never again. that's what she said. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's as when it. this aired, so. I hope that maybe she's – I hope she's still happy. I hope that she either found a good person for her or I hope that she's very happy being single because you know what, Tammy? You don't need a man. Nope. Also, don't be a doctor's wife. Be the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be the doctor. Yeah. Be the and doctor. so Eric Petit was then um, released from jail in 2010. And then this uh, radio show, The All Beta Beat, um, they provided some updates on where he is at now. And these are the latest updates that I have on Eric Petit, which in 2015, he was living back home in Illinois. Um, and since 2012, had been uh, making a living as a cell phone repairman. And then in 2018, he ended up getting married again. They got married in Mexico in August 18th of 2018. When they did a 2019 update on him, they're still happily married and they have um, a child together. I hope for his wife's sake and for his child's sake that they are happily married and moving yeah. on with their lives. Hopefully he learned from his mistakes. Yeah. And maybe um, he got some like mental health help. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so I hope that everyone is doing well. Yeah. And um, and don't ever let your partner send out the wedding invitations. That's the biggest lesson. <laughs> that's our number one lesson. <laughs> don't let them do it. Just don't yeah. even have invitations. Just don't even have a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, well, that's a crazy story. It is – Who the Bloop Did I Marry is always the best stories. Yeah. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a love story? I am ready for a love story. I This is kind of similar. I was inspired by your love story last week. Oh, good. Uh, because it was so sweet. And I love just these kind of like random, you know, serendipity meeting stories. And so I got my information, just like you, from a CNN article by Francesca Street and from the Good News Network by Judy Cole. Oh, nice. Okay, so on April 4th of 2003, the Toronto Airport Lounge was full of passengers who were stranded because of a snowstorm. And, you know, as happens when a group of strangers are kind of forced together in a bad situation, they were all bonding, talking about where they were going, commiserating about the disruption of their plans. And at the center of this group at the airport bar was a 34-year-old named Chris Powell. And he lived in Toronto, but he was flying to Vancouver for work. So out of all of the people, he was kind of the least stressed about making his flight on time because he was just going to work. And he was also used to the delays that came with weather across Canada because he traveled a lot for work. And so 
When his flight was canceled, he immediately went to the help desk and rescheduled. And he actually knew this trick, which I didn't know, but now is kind of interesting if you're ever in this situation. Um, He knew, like, don't ask for the next flight out, but get rebooked on a leg of an international flight because those flights are more expensive to cancel. And so they'll get priority over, like, more frequent domestic flights. So he got onto basically it was a flight to Hong Kong, but he, it stopped in Vancouver, which is where he wanted to go. So he got on the Vancouver leg of this Hong Kong flight that was going to leave in the evening. So he headed to the airport lounge. He had eight hours to kill. Chris and these other group of passengers were talking and they're laughing. And he notices a woman who's sitting in the corner all by herself and she's crying. Aww. And so he calls her over and he's like, hey, what's wrong? And he jokes with her. He's like, calls her over. Go to her. <laughs> he called her Hey, come like, here. <laughs> hey, you. Are you crying? Get over here. Fucking cry, baby. What are you doing? But he's, <laughs> he jokes with her. He goes, he goes, you're really killing our buzz. Like Aww. basically with your crying. And, and she said, uh, this woman, her name's. 29 she was at the time 29 jennifer lothar she was said she was like momentarily shocked out of her tears and Mm -hmm. she laughed because she could tell like he was he had like a sympathetic look and he was smiling so she pulls up a chair to the group and told them why she was crying she told them that her flight cancellation meant that she was almost definitely gonna miss her best friend's wedding in winnipeg which is yeah her hometown so the, the wedding was the next day, and so it was too late to get in a car and drive there. It was, like, over a 24-hour drive. And so even though she was booked on the next flight out, she was pretty sure that that one was going to be canceled, too, because every flight was being canceled. So they said that, like, in the articles, it said she was supposed to be the master of ceremonies for the wedding, which I, I thought I was like, maybe it's the officiant, but I don't think so. So I'm not exactly sure what she was going to do, but she had a big part in the wedding. It was her Aww. best friend. And Jennifer had moved to Toronto a year earlier from Winnipeg. And in that year, she'd been super homesick. So kind of in addition, just that she was going to her best friend's wedding, she was also just like, you know, she'd been really looking forward to seeing her friends and her family. And so just that like letdown of, you know, when you're just a bit holding it together Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like, you're like, finally, I'm going to get home and then you can't. So it was like that just devastation. So- She tells her story to the group, which kind of like prompted other people to share their stories of like where they've been going. Like one man said he was traveling to propose to his girlfriend and another had been working away from home for months. And this was like their first trip home. And so they were really sad to be stuck. So all of these travelers bonded. They all this was the morning. So had breakfast together. And then, of course, they had a few beers because like there's just nothing better than a drink at the airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's like 10 a.m. Who cares? It's the airport. Exactly. Uh, and as soon like soon, like instead of trading these sad stories, they're trading happy stories. And they said it was kind of like a party atmosphere. And Jennifer and Chris had become like the party host, they seemed to have this like instant connection. And it wasn't just the two of them that felt it. Other people saw it too, because as they're sitting there, like new people would wander in as they found out their flights were canceled and joined the group. And one person who sat there for a few minutes turned to Jennifer and Chris and was like, how long have you guys been together? And Uh. Chris answered about 48 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And that just like kept happening. Like people would be like, Hey, what, you know, where are you guys from? How, like, how long have you been together? And they were, you know, had to, then they would joke like, oh, we just met. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer says, there was an interesting connection. We kind of looked at each other and said, where have you been? 
And Chris said, I don't really cotton on to that kind of idea very often, but I just kind of look at her and I'm like, man, it feels like this has been going on in a positive way forever. And Jennifer agreed. She said more than this lifetime. So they're sitting there, they're having this moment, but like everyone is still hoping to get out of the airport and Jennifer Mm -hmm. more than anyone. So like every hour she would go check on her status and every time she was getting like more bad news, you know, she was trying to get on different flights and they were all getting canceled. And so finally around 4 p.m., she got news that the last flight to Winnipeg for that day had officially been canceled. So she comes back to the lounge. She has tears in her eyes. And Chris said he just hated seeing her so sad. And he was like, I had just enough of a buzz to be confident and be like, tell Jennifer, I can fix this. So he takes her back to the service desk and he asks the agent, he was like, hey, what would you do to get to your best friend's wedding? And the agent was just like, I don't know, pretty much anything. And so then he explains Jennifer's situation. And the agent was like, let me stop you there. There are no flights to Winnipeg. And Chris says, remember, best friend's wedding. Oh, my God. And the agent was like, all right, I'm listening. Let's see. I don't know what I can do, but we'll try. And so they went through all these options. They couldn't find anything. And finally, Chris had an idea. He was like, what if... Jennifer gets on the flight that I'm going I'm getting on to <gasps> Vancouver tonight and then she gets a flight from Vancouver to Winnipeg the first thing in the morning because it, they could get out of Vancouver but not out of Toronto. So Lisa, who's the agent, she looks through and she comes back and she's like I've got good news. So there was like one seat left on Chris's flight to Vancouver. She could even sit them together. <gasps> and then she was like I can Book Jennifer on the first flight tomorrow morning back to Edmonton and then from Edmonton to Winnipeg. And Jennifer looks at Chris and she says, if this works out, I'm going to kiss you. And Chris said, girl, you wanted to kiss me from the minute you met me. And Jennifer Aww. just laughed. And so they go back to the lounge and celebrated with their new group of friends who were like also finding ways to get out of the airport. And then they finally went to go get on their flight. And since things have worked out, Jennifer and Chris shared their first kiss. And Jennifer said it was a total movie kiss. And Chris says it was the kiss, like the kiss to end all kisses. And they apparently they like kissed the whole way to Vancouver on the flight. (laughs) Uh You can imagine if you were like in that seat next to him, just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then Chris had invited Jennifer to go back to his friend's apartment near the airport um, to sleep for a few hours before she had to go back to the airport for her morning flight. And it was 1 a.m. when they got there, which was like 4 a.m. Toronto time. So they got to the friend's apartment. They said they crashed immediately. Who knows? None of our business. Yeah. Um, But Jennifer had to wake up just a few hours later to get her flight to Edmonton to then go to Winnipeg. So they shared one last kiss and they agreed that when they were both home in Toronto that they were going to get together. So Jennifer gets gets to Edmonton. She gets on her flight to Winnipeg and she's nervous because her flight was getting in at one and the wedding started at two. Wow. So she tells her seatmate, she's like, I've got, I really have to get off the plane right away and to get to my best friend's wedding. And he was like, you know what? We're going to get you off this plane. And so that guy then like spreads the news up the plane. Wow. Like making sure everyone knows that Jennifer has to get off for a wedding and let her off first. 
And so when the flight landed on time, she stands up and her seatmate yell, her seatmate yells, "Run, Jen, run!" And the whole plane <laughs> parted and let her go through. So she runs out. Her parents are waiting at the arrivals. She jumps in the car and she says, "She's like, I had been traveling for thirty six hours. I had not." brushed my hair. And so Jennifer and her mom went to a local hairdresser who was like a good friend of theirs. And so she said, uh, she said, I'm changing, pulling on a strapless bra, putting on a dress while trying to do my makeup and my pantyhose. And this hairdresser is trying to figure out something to do with my hair all within like a few minutes. She said, my dad's outside revving the engine like it's the Indy 500 because he is feeling like it is his purpose in life to get me to this wedding. Wow. And they made it. So at exactly 2 p.m., they pull up at the church and Jennifer runs out. And her friend who's getting married was just about to walk down the aisle. But then she turns and she sees Jennifer. And so she like is about to walk down that, but then she turns and runs out of the church to give Jennifer a hug because it's her best friend. She didn't think she was going to make it. And so she's so excited, which is like super sweet, but also the groom kind of panicked. Yeah. <laughs> like, thinking like, oh my God, did she have cold feet? Um but of course, she came back and Jennifer took her seat and she watched her best friend get married. Aww. And she said she couldn't help thinking about Chris. She'd actually kind of been thinking about trying to work things out with her ex-fiance when she was back home in Winnipeg. And ironically, he was seated right next to her at the wedding. Wow. But now she'd had this magical day with Chris, who she was calling her knight in shining armor. And she said she couldn't imagine now getting back together with her ex. And so, and Jennifer told everyone at the wedding about this man who had swooped in and saved her trip. And Chris said that the same time he was thinking about Jennifer, he said, I'd never met anyone like her. It was palpably different. And I was certainly excited to see her again. It was a couple weeks before they could see each other again. Chris was away on business even after Jennifer got back to Toronto. They sent emails back and forth and decided that Chris would go directly from the airport to pick up Jennifer for a date when he got back from his work trip. Wow. And she said she was so nervous that she couldn't stop talking, but then he kissed her and everything was perfect. And the two got engaged three months later. Wow. And they had been out seeing music. And when they got home, Jennifer says to Chris, this was a perfect night. And Chris said, it was almost perfect. It'll be perfect if you would do me the honor of being my bride. Aww. Nice. And then Jennifer said that like, even though it was happening so quickly, she said there was just this sense of magic that was happening. Um, And she said, so we just, rather than overthinking it, we just went with it. They got married in 2004 in Winnipeg. There were no weather mishaps. They said it was the best party ever. A few years after they got married, Jennifer got pregnant, and she had actually been told that she couldn't get pregnant. So the pregnancy came as a shock. And Chris, I mean, it was fine with Chris, like, when they got married, because he didn't think he wanted kids. But of course, when their son Spencer was born, they were both head over heels. And a year later, their daughter Lauren was born. And so when the kids were 9 and 10, the whole family decided that to take a nine-month trip around the world. Apparently, a close friend of theirs had died, and it made them just want to get the most out of life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And Chris said, we sat down as a family, and everybody identified three places they wanted to see on the planet, anywhere in the world they wanted to go. And one of Jen's was tangoing in Argentina, and my son wanted to see the blue whales off the coast of Sri Lanka. Isn't that amazing? I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. Right? Like, let's just... Why don't we do that? Let's do that. (laughs) 
um, so that was five years ago, and the family still talks about the adventure. Wow. And they say that they've both changed in lots of ways. Like Jennifer, you know, she was from a small town, and now she's used to Toronto, and she's matured, and so is Chris. He was, she said when she met him, he was just like so cocky and overconfident, which was great in the moment. But she's like, you know, you've mellowed. Um, <laughs> but they say that the one thing that has always been a constant in their life is laughter. Like they always have been able to laugh with each other. That and just how lucky they feel to have met each other in such a serendipitous way. Yeah. And Chris says, it was, I don't know, cosmic alignment, call it what you will, call it kismet, but it was amazing. I'm lucky it happened to me. Oh. And then nice. Yes. I and love that story. story. God, talk <laughs> about like in like the first time your best friend meets this guy, like she's automatically like, oh yeah, gonna be in love with him because he like saved the day of for her wedding. I know. You know? Um, yeah, I think it's really amazing. I love that story. And I was just thinking to myself the other day, I'm like, you know, I feel like people just like, is it just me or do people just not care about other people anymore? Like, if yeah. so, like I like if a someone saw a person crying, would they even care to ask, are you okay? Or or want to know what the story is? Like, is everybody just only wanting to like focus on themselves and what, yeah. how do you pertain to me? Or right. like, what can you do for me? Or like spending time with you, what does that mean in relation to me rather than people really just caring about other people? Yeah. And, um, so I that's I love the story that this person, you know, saw a stranger and really cared. And that and even on the second plane that the guy yes. next to her really cared. Yeah. And so um I was like, there's nothing in this for me. I mean, yes, they did get married, but like you right. don't know that when you're doing right. you know, the thing. Like just yeah, to go out of your way for a stranger is really amazing. You know, I like people again. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. <laughs> You're like welcome. people again. I go back and forth, but after the story, I like people. <laughs> I love that story. Love yeah, that's it. a good one. Great. Um, should we do something dumb and something we love? Yeah, you're first. Okay. So I guess my something dumb. This is so stupid, but so I have, you know – now that I'm, you know, back in the house full time, sole owner of the house and it's mine, there, I have an empty room because that was, you know, uh, Zach's office and now it's it's a, just a blank slate. Yeah. And, um, and it's like kind of a big, like I feel like it's a big deal for me to completely make over this room and make it into something because it, to be honest, like that's where a lot of um, – hard conversations were had. There's a right, lot of bad yeah. juju in that room. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of come into my office and, and a lot of uh, um, like quiet arguments, right? Yes. Yeah. And so uh, because, you know, we don't want to talk in front of the kids and, yeah. you know, and I'll just over – so I, that office has always just been like a, a place for me that's like, ugh. And yeah. so it's trying to turn it into something – decorate it but I keep I it's like I don't it's just overwhelming me like I keep buying uh, my friend Carly wants to kill me because she's a beautiful decorator yeah um, and so I'm a asking her a million questions and I'm like can you just 
do it. <laughs> <laughs> and she's so helpful and lovely. Carly, I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for you. Um, but I keep like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the store and bought like a ton of stuff. And then I get it home and then I immediately go return it. <laughs> Is that what you were doing at Ikea? Yes. <laughs> and then home goods and then Target. And I just, I can't. It's just too much. Yeah. It's over- maybe so- you're just not ready. Maybe I just I maybe I just need to let the room create itself. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm at least having it painted this week. That's good. Fresh coat of paint. And then mm-hmm. also uh, I bought sage to uh yeah. to sage it. And then I went to go and I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> like tell me something does something. And I'm like, got it. Do it. Great. Um and so um, but then I was like, okay, I'm gonna sage this room. And then I started to like look at the directions and it was like get a feather and I'm like a feather <laughs> where do you get a feather I can't do this <laughs> forget it so it's just, too much it's too much I don't have a fucking feather so the sage <laughs> is just sitting on my dresser unsaged but See, you're not ready yeah I'm not ready when a feather comes to you you'll yeah be well so that's something dumb I just it's a project that I just can't uh, wrap my head around but yeah um, the thing I love is my wonderful beautiful amazingly talented friend Carly who is um, suffering through this with me <laughs> <laughs> Carly, will you come to my house too? She, what's crazy, she's actually a realtor and she's the most amazing realtor in all of Atlanta. Truly, I'm like, I'm not just saying this. She's yeah. like won awards. Uh, she's amazing. And um, she got me my dream home um, when I like thought that I could never. And um, she's done it for a million people. So if anybody needs a realtor, Carly Nassar. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But she's also – she just has such an eye for these things. Yeah. Like, I mean, every room in her house, in both of her houses, because um, she has a cabin too that she's been decorating, uh, it's just like out of a magazine. So I'm like, can you just just do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I promise. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can't wait to see what it'll become. We'll Something see. Something amazing. Something one day. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything dumb this week. Um, Good. Yeah, I don't have anything dumb this week. It's just been a busy work week, and I told you I'm getting, like, just working for vacation. Like, I have taken off a couple weeks, and I'm so excited, and I'm just trying to get shit done before then. Um, But the thing that I love is, have you watched the new Beatles documentary? No, but I... I've heard really good things. It's really great. And I have to say, it is, like, not my thing at all. Like, Ben has, like, asked me to watch it a couple times. So I was like, just watch it without me. I think I just am not that interested. Um, but it just is so – it's so good. It's so good. He started watching it, and I came in, like, 10 minutes late, and then I was like, oh, we can't turn this off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just really – it's just so amazing. It's so much like all this footage they have of them like making this album of all these songs you know and just how they wrote them and yeah, um, it's so good. So I highly recommend that. I'm sure most people have watched it. I think it's on HBO Max. Maybe. Awesome. I, I definitely will check that out. I need something to watch that's not garbage for a minute. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Do it. And it's long. It's like three parts, so you have plenty of plenty of watching. Nice. Um 
yeah, so I think that's uh, that's something I love. And uh, and you guys, you know what else I love? You guys reaching out. It really is so nice to hear from you. If you want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Emails. <laughs> Sorry, thank you. Telephones. <laughs> no, Jen, no. No? <laughs> no telephones. <laughs> you can email uh, us, uh, dumblovepod.com. Write us a letter. That's great. Send it to Jen's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and we love you guys. And, uh, you know, rate and review and tell a friend. We would love that. Tell your friends. And um, we love you so much. Thank you for everything. And don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dum-da-dum, 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 dum-